If you're a woman, you probably have hormonal issues. It's impossible not to have them. There's over 1,000 hormone disruptors in our food, water, air, clothes, skin care, plus natural hormonal changes our bodies go through. Perimenopause, menopause. The good news is we don't have to suffer through any of it anymore. Hormone Harmony is a formula made only with herbal ingredients that are shown to reduce hormonal symptoms in women of all ages. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called aptogens. Aptogens help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes, perfect for women struggling with PMS, menopause, and more. Hormone Harmony is a phenomenon with over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. A bottle is sold every 24 seconds. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code OFFCAMERA at checkout. Look, I know you know that I know that you know how busy we all get. Ollie can help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four years and up. And the new Ollie Brainy Chews support healthy brain function with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Oh, snap. I just had two millimeters to my forehead. I just got robbed by two cats that could have kidnapped me, could have done anything. Mm -hmm. I got out of that unscathed, right? That was the motto. Mm -hmm. Be grateful you got out of that one. Learn the lesson of how not to get into a position like that again and keep it moving. Oh, wow. Somebody got to cue me or do I cue myself? Cue yourself. Okay. Everyone, we are back with another episode of Let's Talk Off Camera. So let's get talking. Today is going to be, I mean, I think like the most revealing podcast we've had. It's a big one. It's a big one. It's a huge one. She's an actress. She's a musician in her own right. She's a dancer. She's a talk show host. She's Jada Pinkett Smith. She's written a fascinating book that I read in 12 hours. (laughs) I mean, I think I set a personal record reading this book. Um, And she's, oh, this is very funny. I just noticed noticed that we actually covered our Amazon coffee table with a red tablecloth. With a Target tablecloth. So we have our, with a Target, did you get this at Target? It's a half at Amazon. Um, so while we wait for Jada to join... Oh, wait, Kelly. She's actually ready. Our guest is Amazing. actually ready. Well, Jada... Oh, your headphones are going to oh. do... Oh, yeah. I have to put my headphones on. I got so excited because you look so gorgeous. Buddy, you. How are you? I'm so happy to see you and talk to you. Congratulations. The book is phenomenal. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I read it in 12 hours. I could not put it down. Oh, snap. <laughs> the name of the book is Worthy, by the way. It's available everywhere books are sold. The cover is phenomenal, and it is a page turner. So I'm going to start at the – I'm going to, like, bounce around a little bit, but I'm going to start at the beginning. What inspired you to write the book? Um, I have to be honest. You know, I'm very good friends with Jay Shetty, and mm-hmm. seeing him, like, twice a week and just kind of sitting down and, you know, just, I was um, visiting him one day and um, Radhanath Swami was there who happens to be um, his spiritual teacher that he's now my spiritual teacher. And Jay had just been nudging me like, you got to write a book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. He'd been nudging me just off and on for a while. And this particular day, he really was on me. And I was like, we kind of got into this sibling, you know, (laughs) little sister, big brother. He's my little big brother, kind of like banter. And I was like, Jay, stop with that. I'm not writing a book. And Radhanath came in and he was like, Jay, if she doesn't want to write a book, it's okay. And Jay was like, I think she should write a book. And for him to say something to Radhanath, Mm -hmm. it's just like, whoa. And I really had to, I went home, 
And I really thought about it. I was like, Jay's your brother. Like, really look into this. Like, what's going on here? Like, why don't you want to write a book? And to be honest with you, I didn't think my story was worthy enough to write a book. That's that's shocking because if your story isn't worthy enough for a book, then nobody – if you're an author writing a book right now, you should just stop. <laughs> if this book is not the most worthy piece of literature, I don't know what is. I was – I was spellbound by page. It starts out spellbinding and it progresses from there. Yeah, I just came with the line. You know, I just thought of the line. I was in meditation. I was like, oh, my journey from feeling unlovable to lovable, from feeling unworthy to worthy. I was like, there it is. I get it. When I look at you, because I, Mark and I and you and Will have been sort of together separately for a long time. Right. Intertwined, interconnected long-term partnerships for a really, really long time. Yes. Um, we go back to the early 90s. I believe you are the same. And, you know, it, it went from there. And so we always looked at you two like sort of the benchmark. Right. Like you're the benchmark, the benchmark. And I don't want to give away the entire book, but this book opens with something that like took my breath away, sucked my breath away, because mm -hmm. here you are, Jada Pinkett Smith, critically acclaimed actress, musician, dancer. You have these three beautiful children. You are, you know, you, from my outside perspective, have it all. And it's on the eve of your 40th birthday. Mm -hmm. And you are contemplating suicide. Yeah. You are thinking of a way to drive your car off of Mulholland Drive. Yes. I start off, you know, in one of those darkest moments of my life of trying to think of a way that I could kill myself, but make it seem like it's an accident so that my kids don't think that I actually committed suicide. And, um, you know, on my way, just looking you know, and just, um, you know, and I eventually in that section talk about the help that I'm mm -hmm. also going to get. <laughs> mm -hmm. so I don't do that. So, um, but yeah, that was a very, very dark time in my life. And I think that, you know, one of the most interesting things about living a life in the spotlight is that everybody thinks that everything that's, you know, kind of in front of the cameras is all that's happening. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on behind the camera, off camera. <laughs> I mean, I think the most shocking thing to me in this book is that you and Will have – now, you've not been living as a married couple since 2016. So ex explain it to our listeners. It's not – it's not really an open marriage. What is it? Well, it's very now what was going on in 2016 versus what's happening now are right. two very different things, right? Okay. And so in 2016, we decided to go our separate ways. We had tried, 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 tried. And we just felt like we were both tired, you know, and um, we were trying to figure out, okay, do we start with a legal separation? Do we actually get a divorce, right? And as we are going through these different machinations of trying to figure out how to be uncoupled, but yet mm -hmm. we love our family, <laughs> right? We really love our family and love us together as a family, right? The marriage wasn't working in the way that we felt like it needed to, but how do we keep our family together and how do we remain family? And so we went through many different trials and errors of just trying to figure that piece out. And we didn't want to say anything to the public until we figured it out, you know? And over the years, it just kept changing, right? And so now in what are we in 2023 mm -hmm. yeah i know by the way exactly i was just like wait what year is it right oh, yeah now? we're in 2023 2023 right that we've been through together and realizing that 
how much we value each other, you know, mm -hmm. and how much we are a mirror to one another and how we're what we have, you know, and how much love we, how much we actually really love each other. And so marriage to us, it's more like a life partnership, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't, that's why I very rarely refer to it as a marriage because how people refer to marriage, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not trying to redefine the word marriage because that is too, that's like, that's like messing with religion, <laughs> you know? And so for yeah. me, it's more, we want to share life together, you know, and we look at our partnership as the cornerstone of our family and our lives, you know, and even to this day, we're still trying to figure out exactly what it means because it's constantly changing. Marriage is so complicated under the most uncomplicated circumstances, right? Right. And what I think you make so, um, you draw a line that is so clear. Whatever, whatever happened in the childhoods and the childhoods of the people raising the children and them before them is played out in real time in your existence. Yeah. So it's like what happened to your mother and what happened to her mother played into what happened to you and this sudden urgency to get married and, oh, and you can't yeah. be an unwed mother and right. all of the, those hangups are, they're so generational. Well, yeah, I think that those childhood traumas do play out. Those familial dynamics play out in our adult relationships and, and mostly in our intimate relationships, you know, and you know, I think in marriages, that's part of the, um, or intimate partnerships, that is part of what comes into play of needing healing, you know, because our intimate partners become our mirrors, in a way, of reflecting back to us, whatever those voids were, whatever those unhealed wounds may be, um, and then really having to figure out each you know, each person, we're all such unique individuals. So once we come together in a partnership, it creates a unique dynamic that is very specific to those two people. So you can't really depend on a cookie cut out kind of um, path for everyone in order to figure out their partnership. You know, and I think marriage is really, and life partnerships and whatever people want to call it, is really how do you create a haven of healing that gets you to the highest point of love in whatever form that might be? Mm. You know? And when you were, when you were going through and writing this book, did you run everything by your mother, by will? Did they have editorial approval? Or <laughs> <laughs> No editorial approval. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I did, you know, my mother, I definitely ran a lot by her and talked to Will extensively, you know. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons why I couldn't do, let's say, editorial approval is because I'd been living my life on editorial approval. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And this was, I, I, I needed to create a... I needed to have this freedom space. This is a gateway for myself. I mean, listen, I created the red table for, you know, to create the, this space of transparency. And there was a lot that was transparent, but there were times where, you know, I had to forsake my truth in order to um, protect or, you know, in order to keep uh, a kind of insular, uh, what do you call it? Just kind of a, a, you know, keeping very private what might be happening between Will and I in a very intimate space because we didn't have the stability in mm -hmm. order to share certain things at that particular point of time, right? Now we do, 
You know, we have that stability. Um, and so I, I, I needed to have this platform, my book, in order to really tell my story the way that I saw best. And that was really a healing necessity for me. Mm. You know, it's like a gate into a new um into a new realm of myself because my codependency has always kept me from that one extra step, you know, to be as, to really take care of myself and my story in a certain manner. And I wasn't going to do that with this book. Well, there's so much, you know, there was a lot of chaos, um, in your childhood, a lot of, um, I think there was so much love, first of all. That's the one thing I really took away is that there was so much love. But I feel that sometimes if you come from chaos or you live in chaos, when you're not in chaos, that can feel very destabilizing. Did you have that experience? Did not being in chaos feel bad for you? Yeah, not being in chaos felt like something was wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I had to, I had to unlearn my, uh, I had to unlearn the idea or like those kind of um, messaging in the body and the mind that those familiar ties to chaos that make chaos feel right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like chaos is where I am supposed to exist. And that, I mean, and that took a very long time to figure that out and to recognize um, red flags and to recognize when I'm in the midst of um, unmanageability within myself and in my environment. What was so interesting to me was somebody said to you, you have more talent in your little finger when you were- Donald Hicken. Donald Donald Hicken. Donald, yes. He was the head of the theater department at Baltimore School for the Arts. Yeah. Right. And when he said that, I was thinking, you know, it's like, and here you are on the side, right, trying to, and and really having uh, moments of great success- selling drugs. Yeah. You were really, I mean, it's so funny because when I look at you, (laughs) the last thing I think of, right, is the, and I guess that's probably why you were, right, that's what worked. The last person you would think of to sell, buy drugs from would be you. And there's one moment in particular, it all sounds scary to me, but this one moment in particular where you're basically set up. Yeah. In in real time, were you aware that there were clearly angels surrounding you? Not really. You know, it was more like, oh, man, okay, okay. I literally dodged that bullet. You know what I mean? Right? And how Well, they had a a gun to your head. Exactly. You know, I think I was trying to explain this the other day. It's like when you're, we grew up in a war zone. It's not, I know as, I know that in the book, it, when you think about the Jade I am today, it's like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe right. that 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 happened, right? Right. Where I grew up, how I grew up, and you know, amongst what I was growing up with, right? It's not, it's not, it wasn't unusual. It was just, it was just life. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my goodness. I can't believe, you know, this is happening to me. It's like, I was very clear about the, I was very clear about, um, you know, the pitfalls of what I was getting into. There had been people who had suffered far worse. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was more like, okay, this is what it is. Keep it moving. That was the motto. Keep Mm -hmm. it moving. Be grateful. Keep it moving. You got out of that one. Learn the lesson of how not to get into a position like that again and keep it moving. I didn't have, I didn't stop and think about, oh snap, I just had two millimeters, you know, to my forehead. I just got robbed by two cats that could have 
kidnapped me, raped me, could have done anything. Mm-hmm. I got out of that unscathed, right? And no, it was like, all right, uh, now I need to get my shit back. It was, it's, it's a sh- like shocking that yeah, you were like, like you focused on that. Yeah. I was like, I got to get my shit back. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who I'm affiliated with and I need my shit back. Yeah. Right. So this is the mentality of the place. Right. I, I come from, you know, but and so- you were living such a bifurcated life because yeah. you also like had a job at merry-go-round. Right. Like, yeah, who didn't go to the- merry <laughs> Who didn't go to merry-go-round? No, that was that was the rule. You know, my mentor right. told me always have a legit job. But you were also modeling on the side and getting acting gigs on the side. So you were truly living like a bifurcated life. Like yeah. on I've done it, it that was, from childhood though. It's like I lived in the house with my grandmother who was, you know, middle class black bourgeoisie. And then I'd go, mm-hmm. you know, with my grandma, my grandparents, you know. Uh, Shirley and Grant, who were more middle class, you know, working Mm -hmm. class black. And then I was in the hood with my mother, who was an addict. And then I was Mm -hmm. with my father, who was an addict. Like, I was always in these different worlds that I had to learn how to navigate. So being in different worlds all at once was kind of, I thought everybody like that. But that's, that's your, that was your foray into acting, acting as if. Everything right. is normal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so take me into, because you really set the scene of uh, the moment you met Tupac, and then you really set the scene um, because, you know, I, I, honestly, I only know Tupac from his music, and right. then I knew he was taken way too soon. Yeah. But you had this epic friendship with him. Um, it's so funny. Like when I, when I read it, I was like, oh, they definitely were in love with each other, but not in the way that I, my mind was thinking. Right. Um, but you also take us inside the unbearable poverty that he lived in. We had a lot of love for each other, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, I mean, Pac played so many different roles in my life from big brother to sometimes father to sometimes a platonic boyfriend like nah I'm going with you to that premiere you know like I'm gonna be on your arm you know um and you know he when we first met he owned two pairs of pants and a sweater you know when I went to Pac's home for the first time I mean I'd I was always in the projects and he made he his home <laughs> made the projects look like the four seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. And um so we really got close because we both helped each other survive in different ways. You know, he was he was the guy who I didn't have a father. So he was always had a very protective energy. Like, I'm here for you, I'm gonna make sure you're good. And I'm like, I'm gonna make sure you eat. I'm gonna make sure you got clothes on your back. You know, you I mean? did it very covertly because you did not want him to feel emasculated in any yeah, way. Yeah, he was very prideful. You know, it's like, so I had to, you know, I would do it in ways of like, I was just thinking about you. You know, I was down at the gap, you know, when I had my job at the gap and I would get discounts. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm like, oh, I saw this khaki jacket. I thought it'd be dope on you. you know? <laughs> You know, he would respond to that, but it it could never be charity. That was not, you know, and so, um, and we became very close, you know, very quickly because we both had two mothers who suffered from addiction. Um, and like I talk about in the book, we, we were orphans in a certain manner, mm-hmm. you know, and we just took care of each other. And I think that the thing about Pac, he was very much about loyalty. And I think for him, because I was down for him when he wasn't known as Tupac Shakur and, you know, he was broke and had nothing, you know, in his mind, but he had, you know, he had his intelligence and he had his friendship to offer me, you know, and his care and his consideration. 
Um, but once we got out to Hollywood, when we got out here, because we knew each other when, we could pull each other's coattails in a way that others couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, hey, you can you can take that Tupac Shakur get down, leave that at the door because <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he would do the same with me. He's like, hey, hey, with all that, all that Jada Pinkett on Different World, yeah. Oh. <laughs> You know, I like that he called you in back in uh, high school. He called you were a square. He called you the square. Called me square. Yeah, he, he called me square. That was it's funny. so funny because you were not a square. Like the coolest girl ever, and I was like, oh my god. You know, it's like a, just a big brother dig. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like keep you. I'm gonna make sure the head of yours doesn't get big. I'm just gonna call you a square. <laughs> so you get out to Hollywood. Who were the people? that you would say really, like, got you, saw you, like, got it right away. Melojo, my production company, is such a small business, so when we hire someone, it makes a huge impact. It can also be time-consuming on our small team that's already wearing so many hats. That's why we use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Yes, free! They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier even easier and quicker. Melojo is one of 2.5 million small businesses using LinkedIn. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit our leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash off camera. That's linkedin.com slash off camera to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. If you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. Build up a lineup of timeless pieces that keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. I just bought some great stuff from their vacation collection. They have an amazing cotton gauze dress and great swimwear and cover-ups, everything I need for the summer in one spot. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use a safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash off camera for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com. It can be frustrating to find a shampoo and conditioner combo that caters to your exact hair type. Sometimes it feels like a one size fits all model. Well, with Way, you can find a combo that is perfect for your hair type. Not sure what your hair type is? Take the hair quiz to find out. I love their detox shampoo. It's safe for all hair types, including keratins, Brazilian blowouts, and color-treated hair. It leaves my hair feeling refreshed, and the scent, Melrose Place, is like a one-way ticket to the land of palm trees and superstars. And I'm a fan of their leave-in conditioner, which detangles, hydrates, and fights frizz. Whether you're strands are fine, medium, or thick. Way has shampoo and conditioner that's your type. From volume and shine to deeply hydrating, Way helps you find your way to good hair every single day. Wash your way to healthier hair with shampoos and conditioners made just for you. Go to theouai.com and use code OFFCAMERA for 15% off your entire purchase. That's theouai.com, code OFFCAMERA. So you get out to Hollywood. Who were the people that you would say really like got you right away? Well, Debbie Allen, number one, you know, the moment that I came in to audition for a different world, she, she saw me and I came in for a guest role and she decided to 
um, Bring Me On as a series regular. And then I would say Keenan Ivory Wayans, you know, who allowed me to use his name so that I could get my first agent, you know, and then, you know, a couple of years later, put me in, I started a movie with him, which, you know, played Peaches and Low Down Dirty Shame, but he kept me out of trouble. At a you wanted to be a, you wanted to be a fly girl, right? I wanted to be a fly girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And begging him like, come on, put me at the, I want to be a fly girl on a living color. And he was like, no way. That is not what you came out here to do. Um, but eventually he, you know, he put me in a, and I mean, one of the, the, to this day, it's a, it's a classic, it's a classic comedy, you know, that I was in, but I'm forever grateful to Keenan, forever grateful. So when you met Will, you were both big stars, but I feel like you were like, you had gone into the film world. Like you were making, you were making movies. Right. And did you have interest in Will? I feel like he really pursued you. Yeah, he did. He did for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, and like what finally broke you down? Because I remember you, I remember like, I don't know if I read an interview that you had given or maybe if I had interviewed you on the talk show right. and you had said something about like, you thought his music was so corny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, except for brand new funk, which you know right. <laughs> to this day. But um, yeah, he he really he wasn't in my, you know, he kind of wasn't the guy that I would imagine myself to to be with. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like street dudes. And um, in my mind, that was like you know, it's like oh, you know, oh, Fresh Prince. I mean, he's cool, but that's not really my thing, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I got to know him, you know, and I, of course I started to mature a bit as well. Right. And um, you know, Will is made of so many things, quite like myself. I went once I started to recognize, started to learn about his history and. Um, he's so well read. He's super intelligent and super funny and really talented, really driven. Like he had all, he was checking all these boxes and I was like, wow, I really, you know, he, he taught me not to judge a book by its cover. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot more there that, that, than what meets the eye. And so when we had, um, a friend of ours, Dwayne Martin invited us both to dinner and I really got to know him. And I was like, wow, all right, well, um, <laughs> you know I mean? but I, you know, after that, I didn't, I didn't talk to him for a whole, uh, a whole year after that. Oh, wow. So I, I'm going to jump ahead. Yeah. You know, the second you get pregnant, you oh, somehow, yes. it's like fascinating to me that you knew the second you got pregnant and you said to him, I'm pregnant. I'm and pregnant. And he was like hysterically laughing. He was making fun of you. Yeah, he made fun of me. And um, and I remember crying that whole night. Well, what what have I done? Like, because I just knew for a fact, right? I, I explain it as like, you know, those big bank like uh, locks that have like the steering wheel on them. Yep. Uh-huh. Almost like it was like, it's just like something clicked in my womb, just like lockdown. Uh oh. It's like, what? And I looked to Will and I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, jump up and down, stand on your head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and he just thought it was the funniest thing. Because you're so young, you're 25 years old, right? You're not married. Oh. You're just like dating, you're having fun, you're yes. having the time of your life. We're having a good time. I was right. not expecting to like have a child at 25, 26 years old. So you tell your mom. I tell my mother. I was expecting her to say, you know, you don't have to, right? Yeah. I thought for sure this was going to be the full circle moment where look at how far we've come. But no. she says, she says, well, you have to get married. Yeah. She gave me what, you know, happened to her when she got pregnant. My grandmother said, you got to get married. Right. And um, 
I really, you know, I struggled with that because I had never, I, I wasn't one of those, me not wanting to get married had nothing to do with Will. Absolutely right. nothing. It didn't have to do like, I didn't want to marry Will. I didn't want to marry anybody. Like that wasn't, I never, I wasn't that girl who, you know, dreamed of having the dream wedding and getting married to somebody. Same. That was never the plan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that changed between Will and and my mom. And I, I you know, but at, at first I, it was, it was a very difficult it was a very difficult thing for me to get my head around. It, I mean, you really describe. I, I, I'm literally in the book. I'm so riveted because you know, Albert. Jaded describes like she's walking down the aisle with Will. They're both wearing. Um, uh, oh, who's Badgley the amazing Mishka. Badgley Mishka? <laughs> like, like cream velvet, right? Yeah. Cream velvet, right? They're walking down the aisle together and you're like, you start out smiling and then halfway down the aisle, you are sobbing. Oh no. (laughs) And I, you know, Mark and I eloped because that's how much not a bride I am. That's what I wanted to do. (laughs) I, I listen, I am with you, but even, even in the moment of eloping, just the two of us, I was terrified. I was shaking. I was scared to death. There's so much like go, your brain is I don't know how people get married in front of other people. I actually don't know how it's possible. Yeah, it's a hard one. A lot of stuff came up for me, you know, and you're right. It was just pure terror. I was just like, I'm not built for what this, what I knew the journey was going to be. And it was really me, um, you know, now looking back, me being afraid of, you know, all, all of the process of coming into knowing myself through him being my mirror in this relationship, you know, all of the deep healing I was going to have to do, everything I was going to be confronted with. And I just wasn't up for that journey, you know, and, but I'm glad I took it. The two of you have very different love languages. Yes. Um, Can you explain it to me? Because you made an agreement in your marriage that I don't know that I would be able to honor? Mm. Oh, you mean as far as not- Using uh, profanity. Using profanity. Yeah. I would not be able to speak. I (laughs) have no words. You know, that was a really interesting moment when that was really a boundary as far as Will was concerned. And Will having grown up with so much violence, domestic violence in his house, you know, um, and him recognizing where words could take an argument. Um, you know, it was it was a boundary that he put up early because, you know, I was a really hard talker and cursing. I'm with you. I'm like, yeah. I can't cuss. Then how am I supposed <laughs> to express myself? <laughs> so, I understand that world. And, yeah, I had to learn, you know, and over the years, you know, we went too extreme and too like, you know, being too like uh, careful and it wasn't quite honest and to like yeah. figuring out how to communicate honestly with words that weren't in his mind violent, right? And, um, and, and it's, it's been a practice. It's taken a while and we definitely have two different love languages. I mean, Will likes to eventize everything, you know, everything is very, um, he loves to, it's, it's about memories and it's about, you, you know, all of the external kind of expressions like, oh, it's, 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 you know, we're going to go to the safari for, you know, to celebrate mm-hmm. the fact that you graduated high school, you know, versus I'm more like, oh, I'm going to write you this poem and I want to look at, you know, I'm, I want us to do a little picnic and at candlelight. And I just want to look in your eyes and just tell you how much I love you. That's, it's a huge difference. And, and it's like, sometimes in my mind, when there's like this big, you know, public, giant, fancy thing, it's more about the giver than the receiver. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's how I used to feel at times, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I really had to come to the fact that that really is how he likes to express himself. You know what I mean? And he's learning how to meet me. Mm -hmm. Here's the funny thing over the years, recently, like the last two years, learning how to meet each other more, you know, me inching more towards, okay, you know, the more ventized memory and mm -hmm. him being more willing to meet. Quiet it down. Quiet it down. Mm. Yeah. And did you, because I feel like um, when you're, when you're traveling and when you're with um, your families, there's always like large groups of people. Yeah. And uh, Mark and I do this a lot too. Like we'll travel with our family and our friends and it's like a large group. And then we'll realize it's been a really long time since the two of us sat down and had dinner together, just the two of us. Yeah. And, you know, and what will irritate me is <laughs> I will be eating and, and he'll be like, texting on the phone or taking a phone call in the middle of dinner or, you know, and that is like, this is our first meal in a year together. What are you doing? Do you, do you have that going on as well? You know, it's so funny. I feel like through everything that we've been through in the last couple of years, we have been really attentive. Mm. Um, when we're in each other's presence, there's, there's no, we, we actually, make it a point. It just comes naturally. Um, no phones, you know, and we are, we are really diving in and being very attentive to one another and to what the other person is saying, tuning into what that person might need. But, you know, we've had some really extreme circumstances <laughs> that have had to bring us to a different level of um, how we share time together. Mm -hmm. And it's nice. It's actually nice. So let's get into, we'll call it out as it's referred to as the entanglement. Mm -hmm. Can you explain? Because I think there's so many misconceptions that you set straight in the book. Mm -hmm. Um about your relationship with this guy, August Alsina, you really took a beating when you decided to talk about it on Red Table Talk. Right. Can you just set the scene for our listeners and can you explain to me why you didn't call Will out in real time? So like you brought up earlier, you know, uh, we hadn't been together since 2016. Mm-hmm. So that entanglement happened after right. we had gone our separate ways. And when that person decided to come out and speak on it, um, you know, I had that, that relationship had been over for two years, you know, and I was in a place where I really didn't want to be emotionally blackmailed in that way, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. And I was like, hey, I'm going to own this. I have no shame around it. So I was going to go to the table by myself. Um, but then Will decided that he wanted to come to the table with me. And he was like, I wow. really want you to, to do this alone. And I think the misconception was that I asked Will to come to the table. You somehow forced him. I forced him to come right. to the table and that, that just mm -hmm. wasn't the case. You can't force Will to do anything. Okay. Right. Um, but he wanted to come to the table. And I think that once he got to the table and I was actually, to be honest with you, I was, I was a bit surprised um, considering where we were, where we were sitting in regards to our relationship at that time. And I actually was like, wow, that's a beautiful offering, you know? And I think that once he came to the table, what everyone got to see was, was really interesting. And I didn't even know it in present time of how deeply I recognize it now, but mm -hmm the dynamic between us, you know, I started to see him 
get uncomfortable. I started to see that he was not ready and my codependency kicked right in. And I was like, I am going to make sure you are good by any means necessary. And even if that means taking on the false narrative that I've been the adulterous wife. Mm. Wow. Wow. I, because two things needed to happen. I came to that table prepared to let go of a certain persona of myself and a persona of my relationship, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I came prepared. I, 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 I did not want to backpedal on that. I was like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to I'm not going to backstep on me needing this for myself. I want out of this handmade golden cage that I created for myself. And at the same time, how do I help take care of someone who's actually not ready for that part of the journey? Right. And my codependency was like, well, do what you usually do and just take it, just take it all on. Take it on the chin. Just take it on the chin. You do it well. That's what you do. So that's what I did you know, and I have to be honest with you. I mean, as you read in the book, so many people were like, please, Jada, do not specifically my executive producer, Ellen Rakuten, mm-hmm. Miguel Melendez, you know, so many people, mm-hmm. my mother, I mean, everybody. And they were like, this is not fair, you know? And I was thinking to myself, this is what it needs to be now. And I also thought, look, this is your mess, Jada. That was another thing, you know, that kind of code that I grew up with. It's like, yo, this is your mess. So this is your brunt to bear. You got to take this on the chin. This is your shit, you know? It's account, but it's a level of accountability that very few people um, have in life, which is going to bring me to the Oscars. Uh Before we talk about what happens, Within the chapter, you said something that resonated with me so much because I have been on the receiving end of being made accountable for decisions men have made in my life, where I am somehow held accountable for something that had nothing to do with me. And it's women that are the most vocal in holding me accountable. (laughs) Which I know all about that. (laughs) So take us to the Oscars. Take everybody there. You portray it in a way that makes a lot of sense to me. So which part do you want me to take you back to? The whole thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series, Criminal Minds Evolution, is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally to solve a deadly mystery. As conspiracies mount, the team faces their biggest threat yet. Stream the thrilling crime drama, Criminal Minds Evolution, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Jan. Isn't everyone looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without the hassle, a.k.a. the endless scrubbing? I know you're sick of scrubbing. (laughs) Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning time. Just spray today, rinse tomorrow, and voila! You speak French! And you enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing. That's right, zero zilch, also German, scrubbing. And it works on shower, glass fixtures, tiles, and more. And if you don't believe me, check out the 33,000 five-star reviews and save time for the things you love. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner. Available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on the chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to an effortless clean. Take us to the Oscars. 
Well, let me just say, you know, when I saw Chris's name come up as a presenter, I, I, I felt in my gut, I said, oh, wow. Okay. Uh-oh. Yes. You know, and I was like, well, we, you know, we made our amends. You know, Chris apologized to me for 2016, um, that whole Oscar situation. And we made our amends. I apologized to him and what have you, just in regards to. He felt like when you were boycotting the Oscars, that maybe you were boycotting him. Yeah. And that wasn't the case at all. And I never called him. I know he said this in his special, but I never called Chris to tell him not to host the Oscars. That never occurred. Right. And I actually, I remember when I made the video and I said, Hey, I actually think you'd be, the, um, I think you're the best for the job and I'm wishing you luck. Now I should have, instead of just saying that on a video, I should have just called him and said, man, I know this is a really tough position for you to be in, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just calling you to see how you're doing. And I think because we knew each other, you know, I think his feelings were hurt. I'm just gonna, you know, I can't speak for him, but I'd have to say, I think his feelings were hurt because I wasn't the only one that was speaking out about the house, about the Oscars. Right. Right. You know, but you know, he kind of struck out in that way. So. Cause you knew each other, you had worked together and you had a good together. relationship. We had, we had a, we had a really cool relationship, you know, it's, he wasn't somebody that I talked to every day, but he's, he's a, somebody, a lovely guy, like a lovely yeah, guy, yes, you know? right. and, you know, I got to see that side of Chris, you know, and I talk about that in the book, you know, mm -hmm. but when I did see his name come up, I was like, oh, wow, I hope, I hope he plays nice. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, and I, I left it at that. And Will had been getting up, you know, going back and forth. And so when the incident happened, because when I first saw Will get up and walk on stage, I was like, oh, wow, is this a skit? Did he not tell me mm -hmm. that he met up with Chris backstage? And it also how Chris was reacting, because Chris was like, oh, here comes Mr. Smith. Like he right. was, you know what I mean? And so I was like, oh, maybe this is a skit because there have been skits all night, you know, people getting up and interacting with the host and, you know, and, and so, I think that I think the audience should know that you and Will were not really like right. he invited we, you to the Oscars and you were kind of surprised that he asked you to come. Yes. Now, let me take a minute there because yes. we once Will finished Emancipation, finished filming Emancipation. He. A lot of stuff was coming up for him, rightfully so. It was a very difficult movie to shoot. It really was, right? And after he shot that movie where he played a slave, he called me and was like, will you go into therapy with me? Wow. And at first I was really reluctant. Mm -hmm. I really had to reach for my willingness. And we started going into therapeutic settings together. And it was really deep, you know, all the stuff that was coming up for him and stuff he wanted to really look at with me. Mm -hmm. And so there was this, there was this new blossoming of like, um, I don't know, just just kind of like this this partnership in healing. Mm -hmm. And so when he got nominated, he said, you know, I know we're not together, but you're the only person that I want by my side during this time of my life. Mm. You know, he's like, we've we've been we've been through so much together. And I I want you by my side for this memory. You know, and I was because like, it was because everybody was saying he was going to win. It felt like it felt like a foregone conclusion. It was happening. Exactly. It right. was happening. And, you know, I really had to think about that. You know, I was like, ah, you know, and I wanted to be there as well, you know, but it was just it was just a lot happening in the in the background. Right. Mm -hmm. And so finally, I was like, you know, I'll I'll be by your side to support you. So I was I was there as family. Right. We hadn't been calling ourselves husband and wife 
since 2016. Got it. But we've been going on red carpets and what have you as family, because that's what we do. So at the Oscars, he walks up on stage and this whole thing happens with he and Chris. And I'm like, I'm thinking at first that it's a skit and it looks like Chris slipped the shot from where I'm sitting. It looks like Chris slipped the shot and I'm like, oh, this is a skit. And then- That's what we all thought for right. the record. We and I all think thought. everybody in the, yep. you know, there, <laughs> mm-hmm. there in, at, the, at the ceremony thought the same thing until Will turned around and was coming back. And I said, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He had a different look in his eye. He had a, I, I was like, this isn't, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not here. Right. He comes to the seat. I grab his hand. I said, are you okay? And then he's, he's saying, oh, you know, throwing. He's talking. Yeah. He's yelling at Chris. You know, keep my, my wife's name out of your mouth. And I was like, wife, whoa, whoa, where are we? Ah, yes. Wow. Yes, I am his wife. <laughs> right. right. You know, I was like, wife. I was like, what what's happening right now? You know? Right. And I was really, I was really at a loss. Mm. I was very, very worried about Will because A, I didn't know I didn't know what happened. I just have to be, I just didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. Right. And so you know, all of it kept going back and forth. Chris came down. Yes, I did not realize this, that he actually s- came down to talk to you. Yeah, he came down to talk to me, which Will kept getting upset about. And he was like, he looked at me and he said, look, Jada, I meant no harm. Right. You know, and at that time, I was so disrupted because I was- Yeah, so- you're in shock out of sorts of what is happening right now. And I just said to Chris, Chris, this is about some old shit, you know, and I just can't right now. Cause right. Will is go- you know, Will is still doing his thing. Denzel comes over, you know, to just be by Will to just make sure he's calm and good and what have you. Quest Love goes up, gets his award. And then we go to commercial break. And I'm just grateful for the men at that time, right? Because Zell yeah. and Bradley Cooper, um, you know, all all the men that gathered around Will, because I have to be honest, I didn't, I just, I didn't know what was going on. Like, were you in your body? Did you float away at a certain yeah, point? Yeah, I, I was very still. Uh-huh. I didn't want to trigger anything. I knew that Will was... Something was going on with Will. Right. He wasn't. Yeah. Something was going on. And so his publicist, my publicist, come to the seats. His publicist, Meredith, says, Chris is, you know, he's left the building. and He's not going to press charges. And I said, press charges for what? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because Will hit Chris. And I mean, I was like. That made contact. That made contact. Yeah, I was like, well, right. "You hit. You actually hit Chris." Mm-hmm. He said yes, and I knew. I knew from there. I was like, "Okay, this is gonna be, this is gonna be something for us to contend with when when we leave these doors." You know. So. But did you know? Did you know that you would take the brunt of the? blame in all, all of it did absolutely. you like you did you already knew absolutely I already knew I know I know I'm not listen this is age old <laughs> it's just like so to me you know it's it's the fact that women get blamed all the time for what happens it, it, when things are out of their control but a lot of people felt like you should have somehow physically restrained him. (laughs) Right. And I just want to point out like the size differential between the two of you. Will is arguably a very large man. For God's sakes, he plays prize fighters. He he knows how to fight. Right. And I'm going to take it back one step further. The last thing I'm thinking is that Will 
is getting on stage to do anything to Chris. Right. Like I'm not thinking like that's not what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking, oh, you know, he's going to go up there and do something to Chris. No, I was like, oh, this must be a, a skit. I'm shot. I'm like, oh, so we we thought the entire thing was a skit, like from the joke to the camera of you to the eye roll. Like it was timed kind of beautifully that your expression got a big laugh. Like it was right. like all very. And I was like, oh, this is such a funny bit. Right. And even with the joke, you know, I I I wasn't pissed about me. You know, that's the other right. thing. It's like. With with the journey I had been on with other people in regards to alopecia and mm. just even to this day, how people just take it so lightly and just don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, what people who suffer from alopecia go through, you know, and to mm-hmm. make a joke about a condition that someone can't, there's, there's actually no cure for alopecia, you know? Mm-hmm. Did he know? Did he know? Like, was it well that, that known? I don't know. That, yeah. I, that I don't know. Right. No, I have no so idea. So it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, God. You yeah, know. well, just like here we go again on uh, right. on the Oscar stage with right. You know, right. this whole circumstance. It's like, I'm not mm-hmm. even, why are you bringing me into this? I like. <laughs> so, so, you know, do you think that incident brought you closer together? You became like a united front. You know what's so interesting about these kinds of circumstances um it can either go two ways it's going to amplify love or deteriorate it Mm -hmm. and this brought our entire family closer together in regards to healing right in regards to really having to look at some things Mm -hmm. it's like who are you when somebody's in a time of need, you know? And I knew in that moment that I needed to be by his side and we needed to be by each other's side and really look at whatever was coming up for us individually, for us dynamic, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Sure. And really like really heal. When you're driving home that night, was there a conversation? Was there silence? Well, you know, that's for the second book because <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, I, let me tell you the journey I'm hoping, yeah, that we'll be able to write something together, actually, you know, because the journey that takes place after that evening is quite a journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot happens. A lot happens. Well, I've got to tell you, um, there's so, there. I, again, I there's so much I want to say to you. There's so much still to cover. This We scratched the surface with this book. Um, but before we sign off, and I really appreciate you doing the podcast, I want to tell you that I was on a flight with your son, Jaden. This is many years ago. And it was JetBlue. He loves it. And he <laughs> best. And I think it's important to tell parents when their kids are incredibly polite and kind when nobody's looking, when it's not like a public event. Yeah. And I was, I remember I was with my son, Joaquin, at the time, who was like, Maybe he was 12 or 13 years old. And he pointed Jaden out to me. Right. And he was like, that's Jaden Smith. And I was watching him be polite and conscientious to everyone. And I said to him, see that? I said, that's how you behave when your parents aren't around. You behave like that kid is right. behaving. That's how you behave. And I was able to hold him up as an example. So I just want to like – not only congratulate you on your book, but congratulate you on raising your children because they're. Thank you, know. you. That's like the highest. <laughs> <laughs> when when your kids are conscientious and kind when you're not around, it's like That's very so important. Cute. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast, the book worthy 
is out now. It's available everywhere you get your books. Thanks for doing uh, the show and um, all my love to you. And and uh, you look great, by the way. You Thanks. really. So do you. So do you. Thank you so much. All my love. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Kelly Rippa. I think that's probably one of my favorite interviews you've ever, ever. done. I forgot to show her the red tablecloth. <laughs> um, be sure to tell your friends about us. Bye, everyone. Can't wait to talk off camera next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Let's Talk Off Camera with Kelly Rippa is a co-production of Melojo Productions and PRX Productions with help from Goat Rodeo. Our theme song is Follow Me from APM Music. From Melojo, our team is Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Albert Bianchini, Jan Chalet, Devin Schneider, Michael Halpern, Jacob Small, Roz Therian, Seth Gronquist, and Julia Desch. From PRX Productions, our team is Kara Schillen, Genevieve Sponsler, Megan Nadolsky, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Edwin Ochoa. Additional sound design by Terrence Bernardo. The executive producer of PRX Productions is Jocelyn Gonzalez. This show is powered by Stitcher. From PRX. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.